You're listening to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. And Barnaby is loving this. Huh. No filter. You have no filter. <laughs> that's yeah. obvious. That's true. That's you a good thing. You say whatever comes into your mind. Yeah. You don't really modulate your yeah. feelings at all. Yeah. You? It's a good thing for me, but it's a bad thing for water. Player in Aho that fills a need they've been trying to fill for several years. And I, I, you know, I believe that that need is less so with Ryan Paling in the system, with his very cocky. I mean, having shown what he has, but they've got a, a window and they recognize it with Terry Price at 32 years old soon. And and Shea Weber at 34 years old, and, and you know, it's not infinite the amount of time they have to win. And Now, here's Matthew Barnaby. Hello, everyone from Ottawa, Ontario. This is Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. I am your host, Matthew Barnaby. Great week for all us Canadians up here celebrating, or have celebrated uh, the 1st of July, Canada Day. Uh, also, free agent frenzy. That is a crazy day in Canada, where everyone stays tuned to their televisions. Happy 4th, which just passed, uh, to our American friends down south. Hope it was a safe and fun holiday. Lots of cocktails consumed, and uh, everyone was safe. Uh, This is pretty easy. A pretty easy show to dictate. Usually when I go down, I'll do my opening and run through, but we have so much to get to today with free agency. And I wanted to wait. Uh, normally, I was going to do it on the second, but I wanted to wait for the trickle-down effect and watch certain teams uh, that didn't sign players maybe on the first but knew what would happen through throughout the week. And it certainly did. It's, it's been a crazy, crazy week in the National Hockey League. And we wait for the first because I, I'm not going to get into saying guys are overpaid or, oh, my God, I can't believe they paid this much for this guy. It happens every single year. We know GMs lose their fucking minds on July 1st. And the reason why guys make the money they do on July 1 is because you have to give up nothing to get these guys. So the Rangers acquiring Artemi Panarin, they add a superstar to their lineup without having to give up a prospect, a roster player, or both. So when when you get to improve your team, and I'm going to go through a lot of teams today, and I'm going to take a lot of Twitter questions from people out there that are wondering about their team and their acquisitions or lack thereof. It was a crazy day. Money just throwing all over the place. But in the end, there's a lot of teams that got a lot better and a lot of teams that got a lot worse. And that's what free agency is all about. I don't care if it's hockey, football, basketball, baseball. The powers from within change depending on who you're able to keep, who you lose, additions, subtractions. That, that, that's what it's all about. That's what July 1st is all about. And that's why we anticipate it so much. Because if your team was that close to getting through a round in the playoffs. Maybe the guy that you added puts you over the top next year. Maybe you're a team that just missed out on the playoffs. Maybe the Montreal Canadiens, a team that missed the playoffs by only a couple points. Maybe their signing, maybe their addition puts them over the top. 
Buffalo Sabres, a team that struggled, was great during the start of the year and then struggled at the end of the year. <clears throat> this is a team that has missed the playoffs year after year after year and a fan base that is desperately trying to get back there, trying to create momentum. So overpaying for someone, a player, to get them back into the playoffs is massive. And if you overpay by a million dollars a year or 500000 whatever the number may be, you get one playoff game for a team that hasn't been there, that covers that guy's overpayment and then more. And obviously, if you make the playoffs, you're not just playing one home game. So if that guy puts you over the top, and I can use, let's say, Philadelphia, Kevin Hayes, probably not worth $7 million. On the open market, he was worth 7.1. But Philadelphia now is a legit contender to make the playoffs. Are they a legit contender to make the Stanley Cup Finals or, or win the Stanley Cup? Probably not yet. But are they a better team now? Yes. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about is improving your team in whichever realm you are in. Are you a bottom feeder trying to get to the playoffs? Are you a playoff team trying to get through a couple rounds? Are you a team that gets through a round that wants to win a Stanley Cup or feels that they're close? There's all different parts of the equations and figuring a way just to get to the dance, try to get to the playoffs is first and foremost. And we saw this year, after you make the playoffs, all, all, all bets are off. Let's start with the New York Rangers. New York last year sends out a letter to its fans, essentially saying, and this isn't verbatim, essentially saying there's going to be tough times. We are in a rebuild. Be patient with us, and we will build this the right way. Now, building the right way is essentially through the draft. You have to, you have to build through the draft. You can't miss in the draft year after year and have success, viable success long-term. So the Rangers send out that letter. Not, a, not, a, not something that's very common with the New York Rangers in a market that desperately needs stars and winning because there's so much competition for your fans' dollar. They acquired Jacob Truba, a top-flight defenseman. And then they land the number one, the number one free agent, Artemi Panarin. There, there was expectation maybe that he was going to Florida. New York jumped in there, I'd say, a few months ago. There was a battle who would win out. Florida Panthers, New York Rangers. Last minute, Columbus makes a last-ditch effort and essentially was trying to overpay to keep their star. They did all they could, all they could, offering over $12 million. The Islanders, they were offering more than the New York Rangers as well. But in the end, and I understand this because I can't imagine going over to Russia all by myself and not, and not speaking a word of Russian and not knowing how to get by every day. 
must be a tough thing. So he comes over here. Obviously, he has, you know, in, in Columbus, a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky, who we'll get to in a little bit. But I, I, having played with a lot of Russian players, they want to be surrounded by their comrades, by their, by their people, and I get it. And Florida had the contingency. There's a lot of Russians around the Boca area. In New York, I played with Pavel Bure once he was undressed. He was out of that rink so fucking quick and off with his comrades hanging out in New York. And I get it. I get it. You want to be surrounded by your people. If I went over to Russia, I'd want to be surrounded by Canadians or Americans, English-speaking people. You just feel more comfortable. I moved to Quebec City when I was 17 years old. I didn't speak a word of French, and it was hard. I fortunately learned the language as we went through, but it was hard. I'm not going to lie. So I understand him wanting to leave and going to a place where there was a bigger Russian contingent. But back to hockey. The New York Rangers land Panarin. This rebuild is no longer a rebuild. They ship VC out, creating a little bit of cap space. Obviously, Hayes was traded last year. This team is no longer in a rebuild. It's a retool. And with Jacob Truba, he will sign a long-term contract at some point with them. Panarin, the most coveted free agent in this class, a very deep class. The rebuild, retool will be a lot quicker. James Dolan might have lost out on the Kawhi Leonards and the big boys in the NBA, but he didn't lose out on the number one free agent in hockey, Artemi Panarin. We'll make them so much better. Let's go to Florida. Florida is the team, to me, that did the best throughout all of this. This is a team that we expected last year to make the playoffs. We were talking maybe a Florida-Florida matchup in the first round. Florida special teams were great last year. I think second on the power play, 10th in penalty kill. They ended up missing the playoffs by 12 points. They underachieved. But this is a great young nucleus with the likes of Barkov and on the back end, Eklund. This team is good. Vinny Trocek. I mean, this team should be a playoff team. There's no excuse why Florida shouldn't be a playoff team. My buddy, my good buddy, Bob Bogner, got fired because they didn't have goaltending. They couldn't get a save last year. Both guys under 900 save percent. You're not winning in the National Hockey League. That I don't care how good your team is. You're not winning. You're not winning. They go get Bobrovsky. Again, the Russian factor, South Florida, a lot of Russian contingents out there. When he gets away from the rink, he will have, I think he will feel very comfortable. This is a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League. He overcame his demons this year in the playoffs, has always been a very good regular season goalie, overcame those demons and proved a lot of people wrong that he couldn't do it in the playoffs. Knox, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the 62-win Tampa Bay Lightning off in four games, four games straight. They also acquire Brett Connolly, who had a career year with Washington. Probably overpay a little bit, and I said I wouldn't say it, for Anton Strahlman. 
But there's another veteran right-handed shot defense. This team's getting deeper. Also, they go get from Boston, Achari. 1.5 million. A hard guy to play against. Someone's coming out of the Eastern Conference playoffs that were there. I think it's Columbus, maybe Carolina, maybe both. But the Florida Panthers are going to be a playoff team. I can, I can promise you that. Mark it down right now. If I am wrong, I will eat crow. The Florida Panthers will be in the playoffs next year. And either Carolina or Columbus is coming out. Maybe even the New York Islanders. And I know we're doubting them again. And here I go. I'm going to get hate tweets from New York because I'm doubting them again. But Columbus or Carolina, I believe one of those teams will be out of the playoffs. Florida will make its way in. I also think Philadelphia. With the addition of Kevin Hayes, I talked earlier, maybe seven millions, a little, maybe a million too much. But now they have a second line center. Now they're deeper. He's going to play on their second power play unit. It's a big man down the middle that makes players around him better. A much deeper team now. A much, much deeper team. They trade Gudis, get Niskanen. Great trade. Niskanen was not great in Washington last year. They needed to move money out of Washington. Philadelphia, to me, gets the better player in the deal. The more offensive player, obviously, in the deal. But the addition of Hayes, I think, pushes them over the top. They're one of the teams where... One or two guys pushes them into the playoffs. Now we're talking revenue from playoffs. And that, that's where they need. They wanted, Ron Hextall was fired for a reason, for being a little too diligent, taking a little bit too much time to get back to where they were. But he left them in a great spot. And I love these moves for the Philadelphia Flyers. Be very surprised if they're not a playoff team as well. And when we always pick teams to go in, oh, if you're a Buffalo fan, per se. If you're, if you're a Buffalo fan, we're going to be in the playoffs next year. Well, who's coming out? Who are you better than? That's the easiest way to do it. Who are you better than? You're not better than Tampa. You're not better than Boston. You're not better than Toronto. You're not better than Pittsburgh. You're not better than Washington. Probably not as good as Columbus. Maybe you... You're close to Carolina, although they have a much deeper defense. Maybe you're close to the Islanders. I don't think so. But you have to take someone out. When I look at Philadelphia now, I look at Florida now, I'm like, okay, I think they're better than the Columbus Blue Jackets with everyone that they lost, Bobrovsky, Panarin, Matt Duchesne, maybe Dezingle. They didn't have those guys all year, but obviously the two studs. I think they're better. Florida and Philadelphia to me are playoff teams. Let's go to the Sabres. A lot of depth they've acquired in free agency, but they trade for VC. Give up a third rounder. Hey, third rounder might never play. New York wanted to create cap space. They did it. VC, I don't know if he's a top six forward, but he's certainly a top nine forward. And if he's on your third line, you got a pretty good team now. Jack Eichel has Skinner. Skinner was signed before free agency even started. 
And they made strides last year. Goaltending has to be solidified. They, they, they need to get better goaltending than they did in the second half. It was the reason why they were so good in the first half. Reason why they went on the 10-game winning streak. But they're getting close. They're not there yet. I still don't think they're a playoff team. But they're getting there. Bright times, bright future is right around the corner for the Buffalo Sabres. Great signing, few days later into free agency. And that's why I want to do this pod four days, five days after free agency. Because you're going to have a trickle-down effect. You're going to have guys that wait. Wait for the Bobrovskis and the Panarins. The big guys out there to sign. Marcus Johansson was phenomenal. Phenomenal with the Boston Bruins. He really was a big reason, as was Charlie Coyle, in them getting to where they did. The depth that they created, the offense that they created, Marcus Johansson is a hell of a player. He will play top six. He'll help that power play. And he makes them a deeper team. So I really like the additions. I really like the additions that they have made in in acquiring Johansson and Jimmy Vesey. Johansson is going to be a very good player. Two-year, low risk, $4.5 million a year. Concerns about his head, his, his conquers that he's received over the years. Yeah, it's always there. But it's a two-year deal. 4.5 per. Great signing by Buffalo. I hope this works out. Obviously, I was a Buffalo Sabre to start my career. And I want to see them get back to where they were. And that's in the playoffs because those fans deserve it. The money that Pagula has spent on this team... He deserves it. The Leafs. The hated Leafs. All the talk has been about Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is going to get an offer sheet from the Islanders, from Arizona, from whoever. Well, as I look today, it's July 7th. So we're seven days into this. No offer sheet yet. No offer sheet yet. Mitch Marner, I don't believe, is getting an offer sheet. I think teams are... First of all, I think they know either they're going to overpay so much for him that they're up against cap hell and won't be able to contend if you're paying Mitch Marner 13 and a half or 13 million, whatever the number is. And if it's $12 million, the Leafs are going to match. It's pretty simple. And I'm going to get to Sebastian Ajo in just a second because I have an interview to play for you right before it actually went down with Eric Engels. And I want people to listen because this is before he was signed to an offer sheet. And I've always said, offer sheets to me are like Bigfoot or UFOs. People have said they've seen them but they disappear very quickly. And that's what happened with Sebastian Ajo. There was an offer sheet. Hey, I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was surprised there was an offer sheet. Thought it could come. And I think we can drop the point of collusion. Mark Bergevin went out and made an offer sheet to make his team better because he felt the right time was there. But we'll get to him in a little second. I want to go back to the Leafs. Said all year, this is going to be dramatically 
a different team. This is not going to be the same roster. Not going to be the same roster. It couldn't be. Where they were up against the cap, players that they had to sign, the Kapanins, the Johnsons, the Johnsons, I should say. We, we knew that this was dramatically going to be a different team because where they were situated against the cap, players that had to get signed, numbers that were being spent on certain guys, guys that were going to want more money that were up for contract. And oh yeah, having to keep a lot of money open for their superstar, Mitch Marner. Ron Hainsey has gone to Ottawa. Zaitsev off to Ottawa. Brown off to Ottawa. I don't want to bang on the Senators here. But they're getting the shit that Toronto didn't even want. That's what Ottawa has. Toronto gets a Cody Cece with a higher upside than a Zaitsev. Both making $4.5 million. Now, granted, Zaitsev has a few more years left on that deal. CC takes an arbitration or just takes, sorry, a one-year $4.5 million. He will try to prove himself, but a right-handed shot D. But the big one is the Kadri move. This one's massive. Kadri, to me, I didn't know if they would move him, where they would go with it, only because at $4.5 million, Kadri is the best third-line center in the league. For that money, that production, he is by far the best third-line center in the league. So I was wondering, do, do they hold on to that or because two years in a row against the Boston Bruins, in round one, he's acted like a fucking complete idiot and lost his cool. Was it option A, work with him? Option B, move on from him and move him. He's a competitor. I love him as a player. It was option B that Kyle Dubas went with. And not only did he move Kadri, and you always think if you move a guy like Kadri, you're probably going to lose this trade. The Avs pick up half the salary for one of the guys that they pick up in Tyson Berry, one of the very good right-handed shot offensive D-men in the National Hockey League. This is a big get. Only has one year left on the deal, and he's going to demand a lot more after this. But they they get deeper on defense, a, a, a position they desperately needed to improve on. And they got one of the best. And let's not look two years or three years down and think of what that number will be. Kyle Dubas has done a masterful, I'm going to repeat, a masterful job in improving his team while cutting numbers against the cap. I, I, I can't tell you how well he's done. It's almost like he has pictures on a lot of these GMs because they're helping him out. They're helping him out. Not only does he get Barry in the deal, he gets Kerfoot. And a lot of people out there right now are probably going, who's Kerfoot? Kid can play. Good offensive guy. Will be surrounded by really good offensive players in Toronto. Just signed him to a four-year extension, I believe around... $14 million. 
three and a half a year. It's kind of where I thought he would fit in. That's a number where I thought he would fit in. And you lose a number three in Kadri that scored 30 goals only a couple years ago. But you add Barry to your back end, a right-handed shot defenseman. You add Kerfoot, who will create offense. And then they go acquire former senator, former Dallas star, Jason Spezza, for $1 million. Is, is that the Jason Spezza of old? No, God, we know that. We know that. It's not the Jason Spezza of old. But I think within the Mike Babcock system, within the offensive guys that they have there, he can fill a role. And he's willing to. Obviously, he knows he's at the end of his career. He wants a chance to win a cup. So I really, really, really like that signing. Mitch Marner is going to sign. Don't worry, people. At some point, if you're a Toronto fan listening to this, he will sign. I still very doubt, I still very much doubt that we're going to see an offer sheet for Marner. No, we saw one for Sebastian Ajo, so this could happen. But I do believe that the, the Leafs do match anything. And the way that Dubas has set himself up, he has set himself up beautifully. He has set himself beautifully to not be able to just match or react out of necessity because he had a plan in place and really followed that plan. Great job by Kyle Dubas. It can't go unwatched on, on, on how well he maneuvered the cap when being right up against it. We knew the roster would be different, and it is different. But wow, did he do a fucking great job. I talked about a Sebastian Ajo. We were wondering. A lot of rumblings before. Would Montreal be the team to throw the offer sheet? A team that desperately needs a top-line centerman. Sebastian Ajo, one of the great young players in the game today. And there was also rumblings that there was having a tough time between Carolina and Ajo's camp on the money and negotiations. We said, no, there won't be an offer sheet, or maybe there will be. I didn't think there would be. We just don't see them. So until I, I see them, I don't believe in them. Now we've seen Shea Weber and Nashville match right away. Thomas Vanek matched right away years ago by Edmonton and then the Buffalo Sabres. Joe Sackick, Sergey Federer, all matched. Dustin Penner was one that they let go. Anaheim, hey, take him. Take him, Edmonton. You want to overpay him by that much? Take him. Didn't work out well. Didn't work out well. I'm going to play an interview right now that, that, that I had with Eric Engels before the offer sheet came. Because I want you to give an insight just to what we thought before, and then I'm going to comment after. So here is uh, Eric Engels. He is the beat reporter for the Montreal Canadiens with Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca. If you have a chance, go on and read his articles. He, he's, he's really, really good. Really, really good. But I want you to get an insight on what we thought prior to this offer sheet, to, to, to where we were and, and what we thought would happen. Here's Eric Engels. 
I want to welcome my guest today, a very busy, busy man, and it looks like he's going to be doing a little bit more writing for Sportsnet CA, where he wrote a great article on the offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo. Eric Engels, uh, you can follow him at Eric Engels on Twitter. Uh, For the Montreal Canadiens, again, beat reporter, uh, and you can follow him on Sportsnet CA. Eric, welcome to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. How are you today? Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm very good. How are you? You get some sleep? I'm sure your hand, well, not hand anymore. I'm dating myself. I'm guessing your fingers are are a little sore with everything that went on yesterday. Yeah, for sure. You know what? Actually, the the day itself is somewhat exhausting. You're you're making tons of phone calls. You're you're emailing everybody. You're paying attention to everything that's going on uh, outside the marketplace. And you're doing a lot of waiting, too. And then inevitably, something major happened something that hasn't happened in six years in the national hockey week and you got to figure out a way to synthesize it and explain it and um come up with an angle that that is potentially unique on it which is not the easiest thing to do so uh at the end my brain you know tends to uh be a little bit overexcited it took a couple hours to wind down and uh some good rest and a, a new approach to it today. It'll be fun. I want to get you to the Montreal Canadiens and Sebastian Ajo in just a second, but what did you make the day overall? We, we always know what's going to be crazy. We know when you can get elite players uh, without giving out compensation, no draft pick, no roster player, <laughs> uh, the way it is that they're going to overspend and you, you improve your team. So we take that out of uh, out of our minds because we know the money is going to be crazy. But what did you make of the day in, in general and who do you think improved the most when you look at all the signings out there? Yeah, well, in general, you know, when close to $700 million are handed out in contracts, it's a great day for the players. Um, also, it's a great day for different franchises where optimism is renewed. And, you know, I think the St. Louis Blues, what they did in coming from last place to win the Stanley Cup, um, certainly changed perspective for a lot of teams out there in the sense that in this parity-driven league, and, and not just St. Louis winning. I mean, you saw what happened with Tampa Bay in the first round. You saw that 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 overriding sense uh, that anything could happen if you make it, um, something that teams have been saying for years, but that hasn't necessarily been the truth. It's it's more true now than it ever has been before. So, um, you know, yesterday, some of those teams where belief was getting stronger and stronger as they watched the playoffs, having missed them, um, certainly more optimism is renewed with some of the players they added. Yeah. Uh, uh, the landscape, you know, just thinking about who who were the winners of the day. Uh, it's hard in my mind. Th- I mean, I think Toronto got better considering the, the trades they made um, and, and the minor kind of signings they made. It's no question their defense looks better. Yes, they sacrificed Nazem Kadri in the deal for Barry, and it's a deal that works out well for Colorado also, you know, given what they're building up front up there. But, you know, you look at the Leafs and what the biggest deficiency was for them last year, it's clear that it was on defense. So that's that's one team that I can pinpoint. I think the Buffalo Sabres got better. Um, you know, there's 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 some exciting things going on there since Jason Botterill has come in and obviously um, didn't work out with the coach last year, but they're a team that's on the rise. There are a number of teams that did well. Um you know, the Andrews Lee deal, it's it's an interesting deal. He's he scored a lot of goals in the last three years. His agent was adamant that he never wanted to leave. You know, I know he was definitely discussing with other teams, and I believe he didn't want to leave. It's just 
you know, naturally there was a marketplace for him with the Islanders chasing Panarin and, and the belief that they wouldn't have the money available to them to keep him. So there were some interesting deals. Uh, New Jersey took a pretty low risk gamble on, on Wayne Simmons. A lot of people out there will say, Oh, you know, they're paying him 5 million bucks after what he did last year where he had an off year and he's been injured the last couple of years, but it's one it's year. 5 million, yeah. It's 5 million bucks for one year. I mean, and they have a lot of money. So they're a team that, we're going to have to continue to watch as all these restricted free agents are out there and the offer sheet uh, thing has been opened by, by Montreal. That that box, that Pandora's box is open now. So uh, I'd watch out for them. And yeah, I mean, I'll have to look closely at the lay of the land, uh, having been in the bubble in Montreal yesterday and, and really come up with a, a more in-depth answer on who the winners and losers are today. But it was an intriguing day for sure. I, I like Philadelphia, and I agree with your assessment. I think any team that, in watching from the outside and doing what we do, you look at Philadelphia acquiring Hayes for a fifth-round pick, signing him to over $7 million. Uh, that's a big deal. It improves them down the middle in the Eastern Conference. Um, Florida uh, acquiring Bobrovsky, uh, Connolly, uh, going to the back end, even though they overpay probably for Strawman, they, they address the need, they get a cherry. Uh, that's a team that I think believes if they get in, they had great special teams last year and they needed a save at some point, did not get it. They get Bobrovsky, one of the best in the league. And you look at Montreal, 96 points. They only missed the playoffs. It came down to the final couple games of the season. And they're they're, they're two points away from, from making the playoffs. And we saw what Columbus did. Uh, we look at that trade from Toronto. I think the most upset is probably Boston that uh, that a guy like Kadri isn't there to to cost them a series like he did. I don't want to <laughs> solely blame Nazem Kadri, but I think it was written on the wall when uh, when he was um, suspended for the rest of the series, and, and and they went on the way they were. But I agree, Toronto is a much better team. Uh, you're you're close to the situation in Montreal every single day. What is the fan base uh, like now um, after they hear the offer sheet go out? It's a, it, it's, it's. I don't think it's a crazy offer sheet. I think it's a very unique offer sheet. The number in general is probably under what we thought Aho might get. It's the twenty one point one seven million signing bonus uh, due to. Uh, Sebastian Ajo in a calendar year. What does Montreal think of not only the offer sheet, uh, but what might happen? Yeah, you know what? Having had a bit of time to vacillate on this and having already written about it and then had a night of sleep on it, um, you know, the number one thing that comes to my mind is that this, I'll tell you what this wasn't. This wasn't a let's just throw an offer sheet out there and prove to our fans that we're trying to do everything and anything to, to make the team better. And we know that it's going to get matched and let's just move on. But at least we tried. It's not that um, because if it was that it would have been for just about any of the other restricted free agents that were in their market. This was a specific attack on the possibility that Carolina hurricanes owner, Tom Dundon, will do something that's counter to everything that he believes in and wants to do. Um, you know, he has avoided bonus laden contracts uh, with all their players. He doesn't believe in them since, since he's taken over. Um, it, it just, it runs cross current to the way he wants to run things. And the other element of it is, 
you know, they obviously, the Canadians, identified a player in Ajo that fills a need they've been trying to fill for several years. And, I, I you know, I believe that that need is less so with Ryan Paling in the system, with Isperi Kakuniemi having shown what he has. But they've got a, a window, and they recognize it with Carey Price at 32 years old soon and, and Shea Weber at 34 years old. And, and you know, the, it's not infinite the amount of time they have to win. And, and I think, you know, that specific target, uh, you know, they had conversations with him. They signed him to a deal that he wanted to sign. And Mark Bergevin, that this is what's really changed kind of overnight here. Mark Bergevin was adamant that Sebastian Ajo wants to be a Montreal Canadian. Well, he was the only one saying it. Um, you know, my buddy Marc-Antoine Godin, who works for The Athletic, got in touch with Jerry Johansson, who rarely speaks to the media about anything. That's that's Ajo's agent. And he said he believes 100% that Sebastian Ajo wants to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Now, you know, you could take that as, uh, you know, a posturing kind of position. Uh, you know, he's already signed the deal. He could end up in Montreal. It's best to say those things. Or you could take it at face value that he signed this offer sheet because he wants to be a Canadian. And I think the Canadians are going to need his help and Jerry Johansson's help to get him over to Montreal. And whether that means that um, they talk to Carolina and say, you know, you guys can match, but I'll be unhappy here. Or whether it means, you know, speak to Montreal because they're willing to sweeten the deal here and potentially make a trade that makes this easier to swallow. Um, you know, that's what we're going to find out over the next few days, because it seems likely on the surface that even though it's uncomfortable, Tom Dundon and the Carolina Hurricanes can't just let their best player walk out the door for the amount that was put on the table and for what the compensation is. I, I said earlier in this in this show, if they don't match this contract, they they shouldn't be in this league. If you're if you're an owner of a franchise and the number is where it is, no matter what the bonus is, it's it's almost the epitome. I, when I talked to Daniel Negrano about playing poker. I can play in the 510 room at the casino and I can feel comfortable. But I can't play in the 100-200 room where Daniel Negrano plays or the 500,000 because it's out of my financial uh, whereabouts to be able to compete with those guys. They're, they're going to run me over. If he can't match this deal, he really shouldn't be an owner in the National Hockey League letting his best player go <laughs> for $8 million essentially. And this isn't about Kent. Like, let's be serious. It, this is not a situation where he can't. You know, yes, he's losing seventy million dollars in the in the football league deal that you know that went belly up, and he threw he pledged two hundred fifty million and seventy was already taken, and you know he's in bankruptcy court, and that's going to cost him money. Um, this is not about that. The guy's a billionaire. His net worth is over one billion dollars. Uh, he can afford. He's not going to have to go running to the bank to ask for $21 million to give to Sebastian Ajo over the next 12 months. This is a principal situation. This is a going cross current to what he believes in. And, and he's a guy that looks for value in every deal he makes. And, you know, he's not necessarily going to see it or the Canadians feel that he, this is pushing him to his limit in terms of what he's willing to do. Um, you know, as far as like, breaking his principles are concerned because this is never about whether or not he has the financial ability to handle this. And you know what? Um, Don Waddell talked tough yesterday. He said everything short of we're going to match this offer, but 
let's not forget that that's what he did. He didn't come out and guarantee that they would because at the end of the day, it's not his decision. Um, so it's, it's, it's an intriguing thing. I think the Canadians would not have done it if they didn't believe that it was at least a possibility um, that they that they won't match it. But the other thing is, and the other thing you got to remember is they, they have the ability, unless I'm mistaken, to work out a trade over the next week. And if, if their thinking is, we put them in a, I, I, Mark Bergman went out of his way to mention several times. I think it was three times actually that Aho wanted to be a Canadian. And I think he's, he's turning this into an emotional situation for Carolina mm-hmm. to think about. So, you know, could he be greasing the wheels to say, Hey, you know what? We get it. A first, a second, a third round pick. It's not enough for your best player, but he wants to be here. He signed the deal here. It's not a deal that you would have structured this way. It's not a, in terms of the term. It takes some time to restrict the free agency. You didn't want that. Um, maybe, you know, you just drafted Ryan Suzuki. Maybe we'll give you Nick Suzuki too. You know, I, I, I'm spitballing. Yeah. But you can see that I think the Canadians feel that they put themselves in the best possible position to get Aho if it's at all a possibility. And, and these are some of the tactics that they're employing. And it's funny, you know, the funniest thing that I mentioned and before we, before all this action happened yesterday is that uh, the words for offer sheet in French is offre hostile, <laughs> which is a much more fitting term than what we've come up with in English. So whoever the French broadcaster was that initially termed it a hostile offer um, he was 100% right about that. It, it really is. And I, I, I like where you went there because I was thinking and listening to both uh, both GMs in Waddell and Bergevin meet the media and both were using the, or selecting their words very carefully in what they wanted to not only sell to the media, us, also to their fan bases. And I, I looked at Waddell and from all accounts, what he was saying was we are going to match we aren't going to do this right away because a hostile offer was just made. Essentially, war was just put upon us, and we aren't going to help them out in free agency where there's a time period where teams are where teams are signing players. And if we match or we match this really quickly, it gives Montreal the the opportunity to go out and start signing players. So we're going to wait on this. This is a uh, team in our conference. Why would we help them out after they just tried to bury us? I also agree with with what you said on on Mark Bergevin to the point that he's trying to play the emotions and there's no way a first, second, and third is going to get Ajo. If they can sweeten that deal, maybe it works out. And saying the least, he, he struck out on a few over the years, the John Tavares, and I don't know how close you probably do, how close they were on Matt Duchesne, uh, who takes $8 million to go with the Nashville Predators. They've struck out on that number one centerman that they've coveted for years. Yeah, uh, let's get into Duchesne to start with. You know, the guy came into Montreal last week after Tavares a year ago, wasn't even willing to take their phone call. And yes, a lifelong fan of the Canadians. And I think, you know, it boils down to the fact that, uh, you know, people will suggest he use the Canadians for leverage and this and that. That certainly wasn't the case if he signed a seven-year deal at $8 million with Nashville, which, which, let's face it, is not very much more than what Kevin Hayes made in Philadelphia. And he could have... He could have ended up at least a million more per year on a contract, whether it was with Nashville or Montreal, um, just based on his production alone and and his status as a marquee free agent. So 
I don't think he used the Canadians as leverage, but what's clear to me is that he did not want to jump into this deal with Nashville, which was always kind of the destination of choice without exploring what it would be like to play for his childhood team and hear what they had to say about it. So I, I believe the meeting with Matthew Shane was as much initiated by Matthew Shane as it was by the Canadians. Um, that said, for whatever reason, you know, this is a need that Mark Bergevin felt if he's going to add an impact player up front, he wants it to be at the center ice position, if only for the fact that that's just how the game is driven. And, and it doesn't matter if you have really good pieces there, which the Canadians do. They have a 72-point player in Max Domi who played the position for the first time in his life last year. Is it the ideal position for Domi? Not necessarily. He's played wing for most of his life, uh, in the NHL at least. Um but he proved that he can do it. And Jesperi Kakaniemi, we all saw what this kid at the third overall pick of last year is going to be capable of. There's no question in my mind, having watched him for a year, I could, could have told you, having watched him for a number of practices, he's going to develop into a number one center, if not one of the best second-line centers in the league. Uh, Ryan Paling, who's coming up, he scored a hat-trick in his first NHL game and a shootout winner, and that wasn't indicative necessarily of what he can do. Um, but one sign I think it was, is that he has greater offensive potential than anybody gave him credit for when he was drafted 25th overall, the Canadians in 2017, um, really good player at St. Cloud, really good to a big body. Uh, he's ready to play physically ready to play and upstairs. He's really got it really mature kid. And that's what going to college for three years does. So, um, they have depth at the position, including Philip Deneau, who who, who was uh, got votes, several of them across the Professional Hockey Writers Association as a Norris candidate this year. So uh, Norris, excuse me, Selkie candidate. So you know they have depth at the position. It's interesting that he chose to to really hammer down on on center ice after all these years. It's still you know an obsession for him. The biggest need the Canadians have is at left defense where they're going into next year with Victor Mete and, and Brett Kulak and Mike Riley and, you know, three players that are capable of skating fast and moving the puck, um, but three players that don't necessarily bring much offense to the table and, and don't necessarily uh, – they, they need an upgrade there. They need an upgrade there desperately, and they're, they're not addressing it. So it's it's an intriguing thing that's happened certainly over the last 24 hours, and now we have to wait and see where the, where it goes. That's exactly where I was going to go. So you took my last question. I, I loved in your uh, article the word nuclear option. They absolutely dropped the nuclear option. The way to approach it, I think we can all drop the word collusion because I think you just wait till the right time. And every year isn't the right time. The right player and the right team uh, also has to be out there because, you know, we talk about retribution, them coming after Montreal guys. Montreal is deep pockets. Mark Bergeron and Jeff Molson don't worry about someone uh, front-loading a bonus uh, with the Montreal Canadiens because it'll get matched. Eric, I know you have a busy day ahead. I know you're going to go to play golf a little later. Hopefully it slows down a little Unbelievable stuff yesterday in reading for everyone on Twitter. Uh, follow Eric, Eric, at Eric Engels, uh, Montreal Canadiens beat reporter, and uh, read his stuff on Sportsnet CA. Have a great, great summer. I know it's going to be a crazy busy day. Hope it gets uh, a little bit of rest and a lot of golf for you, buddy. 
Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And all those nice comments. I should hire you as my agent. <laughs> please, please do. Agents are making a lot of money. If seven hundred million was dolled out on July one, I'll, I'll, I'll get you a, a, a few more shekels for you. Have okay, a great day, take, buddy. Take care. Bye bye. As you can see, first of all, thanks, Eric Engels, for the interview. F- phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And I- I'm glad we did that because I, I never thought that Carolina would let a top player like Sebastian Ajo walk for a first, a second, and a third. Yeah, $21 million is a shitload of money to pay in a calendar year. It is. It's a shit, shitload of money. And, and Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, doesn't believe in big signing bonuses. He wants to pay it over time. Most people do. Players want... Players want their money in signing bonus. They want guarantees. They want to be protected against lockouts. They want no trade clauses. They want no movement clauses. But they want as much as their money up front so they can use their money to make more money. Hey, makes sense. Tom doesn't. Tom Dundon doesn't want to do that. Montreal saw an opportunity where very rich Montreal Canadians, money doesn't matter to the fucking Montreal Canadians. We know that. Thought that, hey, maybe there's an opportunity that we can exploit their structure and the way that they like to do business or maybe their lack of cash. Now, Tom, Tom Dundon is very rich. And in no way did I think that Montreal Canadiens were getting him at that number. It's a reasonable number, just over $8 million dollars. For Sebastian Ajo. It's a great number. It, if it was just eight, eight point one over the five years, we would have said, okay, idiotic, idiotic move by Mark Bergevin. Because it's gonna get matched. The caveat was the twenty one million dollars in the first 12, 12 months. Now, if you can't afford $21 million, if you can't afford to play the game, get out of the game. It's like poker. Daniel Negrano, who's one of the best poker players in the world, a friend of mine, always told me, play the game you feel comfortable in. Don't, don't, don't play a 100, 200 poker game if you can only afford the 510. Because you're, you're going to get crushed. Well, it's the same thing in professional sports as an owner. If Tom Dunnan can't afford to write a check for $21 million in a calendar year, he shouldn't be an owner. He proved to Carolina, you're not going to fuck with us. You're not taking advantage of us. You're not grabbing our best player. I might not be happy about it, but I'm paying it. I'm not losing Sebastian Ajo. And people are jumping on Mark Bergman. Hey, he tried to be very creative in the way that he did it. He didn't feel comfortable in going to nine and a half or over the threshold in the 10 millions and giving up four first rounders. He didn't feel comfortable there. He tried to be creative and prove to his fan base. And he made the offer sheet and thinking, hey, maybe they'll match. It doesn't cost me anything if they match. And if they don't, I get Sebastian Ajo. So for those out here just saying, oh, Mark Bergman, what an idiot. He didn't cost him anything. No, maybe Tom Dundon 
wants to go after one of his players one day. Maybe it creates that animosity. But Mark Bergman had the, the, the perfect, the perfect answer to that. I care about my Montreal Canadian fans and Jeff Molson, the owner of the Montreal Canadiens. That's who I have allegiance to, essentially. And he's right. He thought there was an opportunity where Carolina might not match because of the dollar amount. He threw a dollar amount he thought was fair, and he structured it in a way he thought there was a chance that it might not get matched. It got matched. We walk on. Carolina keeps their player. Montreal has the cap space to go try to do something else. Maybe he has something else up his sleeve. Maybe he has an offer sheet for one of the RFAs. These offer sheets are real. We don't see them very often because we know they're going to get matched 99% of the time. But they are a tool you can use. Mark Bergevin used it. It didn't work. But I love the creativity. I really loved the creativity from Mark Bergevin and the Habs. Hey, they go saying Ben Sherratt from the Winnipeg Jets. Three years, $10.5 million. You heard on the interview, a left-handed shot defenseman is something that they would be looking for. That happened a few days later after the Eric Engels interview. I want to go to New Jersey. This is another team that goaltending has not been great. Corey Snyder will still be the focal point if they are going to make the playoffs. But here's a, here, here's a team that was second last in the Eastern Conference, only ahead of the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa will be there again this year. They'll be at the bottom. But New Jersey, with cap space, Ray Shiro goes. And sucks up $9 million a year for the next three years of P.K. Subban. You could say what you want about P.K. Subban. You could fucking hate him and he's selfish. And here's what I know. He's great for the game. He's going to be great for that market. He is a social media wizard for the fans and that fan base. Former Norris Trophy Winner, and I've, I, I can only speak from, I, I, I always listen to what people say about people, but I can only judge a person on the way that they treat me or people around me that I see. I've met PK a bunch of times and he's never been anything but gracious, smiling, love for life, exactly what I see when he plays hockey. Is he flamboyant? Yeah, who cares? I don't want a bunch of fucking robots playing. I want guys that love the game. And he loves the game. And he's a great player. Is he a risk-reward player? Yeah, of course he is. An offensive guy that takes chances once in a while and gets burned. But I'd take P.K. Subban on my team any day of the week. And he's going to make a pop-gun offense in New Jersey a lot better. A lot better. He's going to make that market. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to have a lot of new fans. Great job by Ray Shiro. And they were one, they didn't give up much. You give up Santini. You give up Davies, who they just signed out of Northeastern. And a couple second round picks that might never play. Might never play. 
the reason they were able to facilitate this trade was because they were able to eat all $9 million of the contract. And Nashville couldn't afford it. Not with Roman Yossi coming up, who's going to get $9 million. And wanting to spend $8 million on Matt Duchesne, which I'll get to in a few seconds. Wayne Simmons takes a one-year deal, $5 million with New Jersey. I love it. He's betting on himself. He gets $5 million, and he's going to, hopefully for him, bounce back, be that power forward that we've seen for years. We thought this could be a big payday. Unfortunately, didn't have the year that he wanted. Bets on himself. Liked the deal. No risk. One year, $5 million. You got the cap space. With the likes of Nico Heischer now, Jack Hughes, future superstar, first overall pick, and all this. I think there's an underlying thing in all this as well. They have an unrestricted free agent coming up this year. His name is, um, what's his name? Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall. Do we not think, did we not think that Taylor Hall would have been gone? I'll take yes for a thousand, Alex. I'll I'll take I'll I'll take yes for a thousand. He was gone. Ray Shiro went, goes and get Wayne Simmons. They draft Jack Hughes. Yes, lucky to get a guy like Jack Hughes at first overall. PK Subban. Now you're surrounding. Now this is a team that he can sell to Taylor Hall in free agency, and, and right now as they go forward. Stay with us. We're building something special here. You want to win. You want to win. You've never won in the playoffs before. You've done nothing in the playoffs. And I know you're going to have the money where you want it. But stay with us. We're building something good. Look what I just did. I just got Jack Hughes. He's going to be your your centerman for the next eight years. Superstar. Makes players around him better. Makes goal scorers around him score. Ask Cole Caulfield. 72 goals last year. We got Wayne Simmons. He's going to have a big year. We're going to sign him long term. There's our power forward, our net front guy on the power play. P.K. Subban. You know P.K. You're a Toronto boy. You guys know each other. Going to create offense from the back end. We're going to spend less time in our own zone. You're going to get lots of points. We're going to give you lots of money. Be a part of this. Love what Ray Shiro did. For the New Jersey Devils. Talked about Nashville. I'm just going to talk about Nashville very quickly. Connecting the dots. We thought that Nashville could be one of those teams that go after Matt Duchesne. People say, Matt Duchesne, what has he done? He's not worth the money. Takes less money. Takes less money. It's a perfect fit. You got your number one centerman now. Ryan Johansson fits in great as a number two. Kyle Turris is your number three. Yeah, we don't like the contract. Yeah, he didn't have a great year. Can he bounce back? Do they move that contract? We'll have to wait and see. But you have an 80-point guy coming in in Matt Duchesne, guy that loves country music, going to Smashville. And why didn't Nashville get further in the playoffs when they should be a Stanley Cup contending? No power play. 12%. 12%. 12%. 12%. It's horrible. You, you, you can't move on. You can't have a good team without a good power play. You need to have a good power play. They improved it dramatically. 
They drew improved their their speed with Matt Duchesne. They improved their power play with Matt Duchesne. They're overall dynamic. I don't think they're done there. I think they're still trying to move that contract of Kyle Turris. Five years left at $6 million. We'll probably have to eat a little bit of that. But they're a better team today than they were before July 1st. And I love Matt Duchesne as a player. New York Islanders, weird, weird mix. Weird mix. They had Leonard, who was story of the year, right? Comes back from mental illness and addiction and where he was. Throws up gaudy numbers for New York. And can't come to a contract. Can't come to a contract. Was essentially Lou Lamorello. This is what he does. Here, here's your fucking number. Here's your number. Take it or leave it. Robin Leonard wanted to be a New York Islander. But they weren't willing to go long term for what he wanted. They go give the contract to Simeon Varlamov, who probably got the contract that Robin Leonard wanted. Four years times $5 million, $20 million. It didn't make sense. Unless they truly believed Leonard might have been a one-hit wonder. And they believed in Varla, Varlamov that much more. And maybe Leonard was a product of Barry Trott's system. But it was weird that it, it was going along. It, it couldn't have been a match more made in heaven than a, a bounce-back year and resilient year and a great story and an organization that had such an unbelievable year on the back of Robin Leonard 103 points most of us had them picked bottom two or three in the Eastern Conference but that's business and business decisions are made that 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 that's that's the life of doing business in the National Hockey League we'll see how it all works out Leonard does go to Chicago Takes a one-year deal at $5 million. Looks like he will battle with Corey Crawford, who has been really banged up. A lot of concussions in the last year. Has missed a lot of games. It looks like they will battle for that number, number one job. And if he's able to overcome it and, and have success with Chicago, then... Maybe he signs a long-term deal in Chicago. That, that's, that's July 1st. A lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. I'm going to get to some Twitter questions just so I can answer some questions on your teams that you have questions of. I think it's really important to listen to what you guys want to hear. So I'm going to answer those now. Is from at Spearsy on Tap. Has anyone had a worse free agency period thus far than the Jets. Uh, there, there's been some underwhelming stuff, but w- when we look at the Jets and where they are, you know, they, they trade Jacob Truba, kind of forced into that, a guy that will be commanding a lot of money, uh, but also didn't want to be in Winnipeg anymore for personal reasons. His wife wants to start a residence, residency and wants to be in the United States and be a doctor. So I think this was a lot more personal than even professional for him. So they did the best that they could in in moving him and facilitating, say that 10 times quick, uh, facilitating a trade uh, to recoup what they they could. 
and you lose Tyre Myers. Obviously, you lose Sherratt to Montreal, and Myers went for $30 million to the Vancouver Canucks. They have to create money as well, and that's where this, this all, in a, in a cap era, they have Patrick Lyonet. That's not going to be an easy negotiations. They have Kyle Connor that they're going to have to spend a lot of money on. So when, when you have success and you have at least players that outperform their contracts or come up from ELCs, you, you have to make some moves. And they're not going to be as good a team as they were last year. They, they just aren't. They lost some very good pieces. You lose a top shutdown defenseman in Jacob Trubo, who played with J- Josh Morrissey. You lose Tyler Myers, who was probably your four, going to get paid like a, a two, but he's probably going to be the number one guy for Vancouver going forward. It's tough. That, that's, that's the big bad world of playing in a cap era. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very tough time uh, when you have to navigate against that cap. And you have to do a great job like a Kyle Dubas did. And uh, Shevel Dayoff does a great job, but he, he knows there's probably anywhere between 16 and $20 million that he has to spend on those guys long-term in Connor and Lyonet. So he's done the best he could, but we knew that there was going to be changes because of contracts that, that have to be paid. At Runright, Arif. Would As be smart to pair Landeskog, Kadri, and keep McKinnon, Rantanen together and fill in the blanks? Or should they keep the big three together? I'm all for being deeper. And I think at times, uh, Bednar did a phenomenal job of moving around his top line and then putting them back together. But th- this makes them a deeper team. This definitely makes them a deeper team. And Kadri, we will see him even more offensive, uh, playing probably with a guy like Landeskog and having a more increased role offensively and not counted to be the shutdown guy per se or the third line guy. He will be a second line centerman and be counted on to score more. So I think that's the way that they do start. But I think at times we will always see Landis Cog, McKinnon, Ranton go back out uh, depending on the score of a game. But I, I think for the most part we will see Kadri together with Landis Cog and McKinnon with Ranton. Here's not even a question. At Hugh, John D. Sens fan, please send help. No question, just begging for mercy. <laughs> I live in Ottawa, so I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one. It, here's what I'm going to say. Ottawa's kind of in a conundrum. They're in, they're, in, they're in a spot where they're in a total rebuild. They have a lot of good young kids coming. And are they going to make the playoffs in the next three years? The answer is no. The answer is no. Simple. Look at the roster. They're very, very young. I like some of the acquisitions that they got in Hainsey bringing along the Shabbats, the Christian Wolanans, Brown bringing tenacity. Zaitsev, we don't know what he is, you know, what, what, guy, is gonna, what guy is he going to be? Is he the guy that we saw last year that was not very good at all? Or does he take a step in his development from what we thought he could be and earning a long-term $4.5 million deal. You have Brady Kachuk. You have Fermentin coming. Does Brown take the next step? Um, a, a lot of variables that are still unknown when we talk about the Ottawa Senators, but the future's bright. It's just really dark now. I feel like we're, we're, we're living in Finland right now. It gets dark really, really early. 
and it's going to be dark for a while. But the future is, is bright. I, I can tell you that. There's a lot of great young, a lot of great young prospects. A lot of great young prospects. Here's another auto center one. At LBZ, Thor 3. Should Ottawa resign Ryan Dezingle? I would. I, I watched him a lot in Ottawa and, and liked what I saw. He's a much better player than I thought he, he would be. I think $5 million is in that range. Probably a four or five-year deal, $20, $25 million. It did not work out for him in Columbus. He, he was not very good. He did not add the offense that he did in Ottawa. But I think he's one of those guys that can add offense to a team that will desperately be seeking it. A team that needs to get to the cap floor. And a, a guy that has speed. He's got dynamic. He's comfortable in the area. Uh, I think he's looking. This is his one uh, payday. Uh, probably the best offensive guy still left out there on the UFA market. Not on the RFA market, but the UFA market. So I, I really think that it would be a great side. I think it's a really good match because he didn't work there. He's very comfortable here, and uh, I, I see it as a great fit. I see it as a great fit. At CA, at C Adams 3411, will the Habs offer sheet another player, and will they get blackballed by other GMs for doing it? Listen, I, I didn't think they'd offer Aho. I said it earlier on in the pod. I respect it. I respect the creativity from Mark Bergeron. I don't think they offer sheets someone else. Until I see it again, I, I won't believe it. Probably a little naive of myself. Will he get blackballed by other GMs? I don't think blackballed. You're always trying to make your team better. And if Montreal is a player that they feel that they can get better with, then they're, they're going to make that deal. But I, I think there's probably a little animosity Anytime you drive salaries up or you go against someone, you know, you you make it harder for them to do business. I can guarantee him and Waddell and Tom Dunnan aren't having fucking lunch in the near future. That's not happening. So do I think Dundon and Waddell are probably a little pissed off at the Montreal Canadiens and Mark Bergman? Of course. Of course. They just cost them $21 million in a calendar year. Wouldn't you be fucking pissed? But blackballed? No. I, I, I don't see it. I, I really I really don't don't see that. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But uh, everyone's just trying to get to that next level, whether it's making the playoffs or is it contending for a Stanley Cup or just taking that next step in development. Everyone's at a different level, but great question. Here's a funny one. At Drake Maddox 28. When are you, Grosick, and Curtis Brown going to suit up for the Buffalo Sabres this offseason? Legends. Well, I don't know about legends. And I've seen Curtis. I haven't seen Michael Grosick in about 10 years, but I've seen Curtis just a little while ago. My ex-roomie. Absolutely love him. Doing great work for San Jose broadcast, by the way. I think he could still play. I certainly can't. I can tell you that. I certainly cannot still play. So... Buffalo is on the rise. You do not want us three. Our line was, I thought, pretty good when we played for the Sabres. But uh, probably all of us could lose a little weight. And uh, then maybe we could talk. But uh, 
we're 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 a little ways away uh, from us us playing with the big boys. I understand the the, the the NHL is a little little fast for us right now. A little uh, a, a little fast. It's funny. I I want to thank everyone for uh, for the questions today. Very good, and I know you're all passionate about your teams. I'm sure we'll have more next week as we get closer. But it's funny. I was a UFA twice, but really only a unrestricted free agent once. And I, I, I just remember, I thought I was going to cash in. I thought I was going to get like four years, 2.5 a year, and was in the lockout year. I, I just hit it at the wrong time. And I ended up signing a three-year deal with Chicago. I was offered a four-year deal at 1.6 from Colorado at the time. And I chose, it's kind of pushed by my agent. The only time I was really pissed with him, but he had a great relationship with Chicago, with Bob Pulford at the time. Dale Talon was the GM. And we thought it would be a good fit because they were in a rebuild and they were bringing in myself and they brought in Curtis Brown and Marty LaPointe and Jason Cullimore, Nikolai Habby Blue, and they brought us all in at the same time. Unfortunately, we had... Mark Bell and Kyle Collar and Tyler Arneson that literally just partied every day. Just partied every single day. And we just didn't have a team that was that worked hard, that didn't know how to be pros. And we went into this and we were trying to change the culture of it all. Unfortunately, we missed the first year of it because of the lockout. I played one year. I think I had eight goals and 28 points. Played with Marty. I played with Curtis Brown a little bit. But we we missed the playoffs, and I was I was brought in um, with Dale Talon at the end of the year, and he asked my thoughts. I think he did it to all the veterans. Asked our thoughts on how we could improve and get back to the playoffs and contend. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the chance. I wanted. I always wanted to be a part of that. That's why I played the game. I love the game of hockey. I love love winning. And I said to him point blank in our meeting, I said, "You're never going to win." never, ever going to win here with your captains, Kyle Calder, Mark Bell, Tyler Arneson. If those guys are your leaders and the ones you're counting on, we're dead. We're going nowhere. I went off and he said, thank you. And Dale Talon's a great guy. I love him. And I think he's, he's, he's such a smart hockey guy and just a great, honest guy. But he called me right before July 1st. I want to say like June 28th or 29th, whatever it may be. Said, Matthew, I, I just want to be the one to tell you um, we're going to move on. We're going to buy you out the last year of your deal. Two-thirds over the uh, over the next two years instead of one year. And I was surprised. I, I, I was blindsided, but I appreciated him being honest. And he just said, we're, we're going to move in a different direction. That's when Jonathan Taves came in and Patrick Kane was the first overall pick. And that's when they they, they took their next step. And their leaders weren't Arneson, Bell, and Calder. It was the Taves and Canes and Duncan Keese on the back end that, that was a rookie my first year there, my only year there. Brent Seabrook, Dustin Bufflin, Patrick Sharp, who we traded for. That was a robbery. I think it was Matt Ellis that we got him for. Matt Ellis. Someone double-checked that. But I remember when we got the trade, Patrick Sharp came the first day. I looked at Dale Tell and said, this is a fucking robbery. <laughs> I don't know how you robbed Patrick Sharp from Philadelphia, but man, is this kid going to be good. He was. All those kids, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Dustin Bufflin, all rookies my year in Chicago. Loved, loved them as kids. 
Love them as players. And uh, I wish it worked out. I wish, I wish I had that opportunity to, to play with these guys a lot longer. And fortunately for myself, I've stayed friends with them for, for years and years. Again, there'll be more free agency signings as we go through, and I will touch on those in the coming podcasts. Um, I, again, we'll be taking questions. I will be taking questions in the coming weeks as we see more trickle down and we, we go through and we see the, 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 the powers essentially change from within and we see the odds, which I'm going to have my good friend John Campbell um, at Johnny Odd Shark, uh, who is with a betting site, Odd Shark, which obviously I love to do a lot of betting. I love to see the odds change. Uh, so Johnny's going to be on uh, this week to really break down uh, not only not only hockey, but, but basketball and different things on how odds change and where the money should be going and what he's looking at and trends, uh, especially with being through free agency. It's the time of the year, this and trade deadline, where odds get changed the most for a reason of acquiring... Say Florida, like LeBron, or New York, Canary. Marner gets offered sheeted somewhere else and signed somewhere else. That's when we see the odds change dramatically. So we'll have Johnny Oddshark, John Campbell, my good buddy, on to break that down this week. Uh, thank you for listening to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. Have a great week. Hope you're happy with your team's acquisitions. I know not all of you are. Some of you are still pissed off, but they haven't done enough. Have a great week. We will talk to you soon. And like they say, show me the money. Show me the money. Show you the money. Oh, no, no. You can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it with you with me then, brother. Hey, I got Bob Sugar on the other line. I better hear you say it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Show you the money. Not, not show you. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. Louder. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money.